One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. Now it's time for Spotlight Star Wars with your host, Ken Knapsack. Well, hello, hello, everybody. Come on in to the comforting, warm Star Wars nerd bubble. Gather around. Campfire's going. Rio Durant's cooking some good Minoc. We're going to have a good time because it is still a good time to be a Star Wars fan. I believe that in my core. I believe that in my heart. And one of the things going around in the Star Wars news world the last couple days, last couple week uh, or so even, is uh, the future of these standalones. And we did uh, the episode, The Fate of the Standalones, this past week on Force Center, the main show, the big show, the superstar store of our fleet. Check that out. A lot of you did. And the truth is, we don't really know. The truth is, we have some inklings. Some truth is, uh, we got some sources that uh, lead us to think some things. 
But as Star Wars podcasters, we're still here, not in those meetings, wondering ourselves. And some of the rumors you're hearing in the news are just that, rumors. Some of them, probably a sprinkle of truth, sprinkle of rumor, and what might yet come, as Yoda says, always in motion is the future. We had a discussion this past week on Collider Jedi Council, the show I also appear on over there with that team. Uh, we had a discussion towards the end of the show uh, about, and throughout the show, about Obi-Wan Kenobi, Boba Fett, those movies, those standalones, and could they be on the streaming service? And that is what I wanted to talk about here today. But not so much about if and could they, but more about what about if it happens, because I think it will be interesting. I think it will change some, some things in how we watch Star Wars and react to Star Wars. And I think overall it's a good thing. But I think maybe we as fans have to brace ourselves for a, a little bit of impact. It's going to be different. I love Solo, a Star Wars story. I really do. It's kind of a thing here at Force Center. We find the light in Star Wars and we connect with it. There's a lot of things in Solo that I love. But with the business side of it, I think the bad rollout plan, the marketing, some of the, the rumors spilling over, The Last Jedi, defi- divisiveness, as much as I hate it, it is there. Um, a lot of those things contributed to the box office. But I think me and Joseph agree, and Jennifer as well, but we've talked about it off air, that at the end of the day, we understand, despite people, being people that loved Solo, a Star Wars story, that it, it did not have that big event feel like the other movies did. Even Rogue One, because it was the first of the standalone films. Now, if Solo had come first, as originally intended, might that have then been a, a standalone film that felt big? I think so. But Rogue One, though, had that third act. That is some of the best Star Wars that ever Star Wars. And even if you uh, don't connect with the characters or think the first and second acts drag or a second act is a little muddled, and I have some of those thoughts, you get to that third act. You get to Jen's speech. You get to Cassie Nandor saying, hey, you're home, but we're going with you. Uh, And the team uh, suits up and heads on out and becomes Rogue One. (sighs) By the time Admiral Raddus jumps out of hyperspace, Ready to fight on Scarif. I blood is pumping, fists are pumping. I'm excited, and it has a big feel. Solo, admittedly, doesn't have that. It's got big sequences and wonderful set pieces, but it ends on kind of a softer note, a personal note, a very character-driven uh, series of events. The mall reveal is one thing, but again, that's not a big battle. So I understand that. Even the final fight. Uh, Infant's Nest and uh, against uh, Dryden Voss's little uh, private army, that's not much of a fight. If it had been a little bit more, uh, I could be uh, maybe, you know, if it been an Infant's Nest space fight, I don't know. If the train heist had ended the movie instead of began it, I don't know, but I understand that, that critique of it. Solo was a smaller character-driven movie. So that, I think, affected it. We still want our Star Wars to be big. When it comes to the small screen, now with technology, small screens aren't as small as they used to be. If you got a you know seventy inch TV or a home theater or something going on, it's not as small for you. Uh, I am humbly at like a sixty inch, humbly. I've seen bigger, and I covet the human flaw of coveting thy neighbor's TV. 
but I have a big TV, right? It doesn't seem as small to me. I've been watching Last Jedi. I've been watching Rogue One. I'm watching all the Star Wars movies on here with, uh, you know, much joy. It doesn't feel, it is different. And let's start that now. It is different in the big screen. And I think movies should be felt and experienced in that way. Some of the big ones, you know, I would not have wanted to wait to see The Last Jedi on a smaller screen in my home theater. Glad I got to experience it in the theater. It's also uh, watching it with other people and, and reacting with them and feeling along with them. That's important as well. So all those things play in effect, play into, uh, play into our need, I should say, for Star Wars to feel big, to feel like the big event. And the idea of Obi-Wan Kenobi's story of Obi-Wan in the desert, a Boba Fett underworld movie, whatever that could be. The idea of it appearing on the streaming service is, is different. I think it's good, but it's different. And as someone who wants more Star Wars, someone who wants to see it, I think we have to get ready for that. Up, up until now, Star Wars on TV has been TBS or Spike TV showing Star Wars marathons, what we watch from our own collections, and for the most part recently, animated programming. Now, uh, going back to the 80s, we of course know we have uh, the Ewok adventure movies, Caravan of Courage, Battle for Endor. In the 70s, we get the holiday special, right? That's been our Star Wars live action, so to speak, on the TV screen. Other than that, though, we've had Clone Wars, Rebels, Freemaker Adventures, Droids, Ewoks, Cartoons, all those kind of things. And that is different. Without a doubt, as much as I love Clone Wars, as much as I love Rebels, it's different when you're watching a quote-unquote cartoon. Uh, Yes, I know, animated program. But yeah, you're raised on cartoons. You look at them as cartoons, and it just seems smaller. We saw what happened. Yeah, there was a lot of reasons, but we saw it happen when that cartoon, that animated program, Clone Wars, started in the theaters. It didn't really work. I'll admit to you now, I actually never saw the Clone Wars movies in the theater. It just, it didn't seem right. It didn't seem like something worthy, uh, worthy of my time to go to a theater. I think now if it came out, I definitely would have been there. I probably would have had to have been there for some work-related stuff. But back then, was 2008, August 2008, I didn't see it in theater. I didn't really start watching The Clone Wars until a few episodes in. I had to play catch-up. And eventually, uh, I was hooked. Clone Wars is some of my favorite Star Wars stuff. Rebels comes around 2014 now, leading up to Force Awakens. And it was fun. It was, it was exciting. The first season took a little while for, for me to connect with. But, you know, you got Ezra, you got Caden, you got things going on. You're reading the book New Dawn. This new Star Wars uh, universe is out in front of you. So it was exciting, but it's still an animated series. We go to streaming. Now, lots changed even from 2014. We go to streaming. Disney's going to put all, all their money and all their efforts into it, which is why I think it's very likely that we could see some of these movies on the streaming service. The first to come out of the gate, of course, was Resistance, but that's going to be on regular TV, the old-fashioned way. Your grandpa can watch it. John Favreau's live-action TV show we know is going to be there, and that it's, in itself is going to be an interesting challenge. We always go to the shows that are big and event television type of things. Game of Thrones is is the top of that chart. I always go to Lost being one of the first ones, on, especially on network TV, to create that atmosphere. Sopranos, you can go to some of the HBO shows, The Wire. Um, you know, uh, you can look at some of those and, and, and think, well, that was event TV. And it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And now 
Game of Thrones comes on and then Westworld and all those type of shows, right? And then Netflix comes on. They got some kind of event kind of programming. And Stranger Things, you know, different feel. It's not the big epic fantasy movie, but it's an 80s nostalgia film and it's got its own kind of epicness to it. And that becomes event programming. And we all kind of virtually gather around and watch it. So as though that's all changed, we're in a position where I think we as Star Wars fans are going to be able to accept the idea that this is on the small screen. I still think it is a challenge. It's going to be a little bit of a challenge to see live action Star Wars done right, done with big names and a big budget on the small screen. I go to Battlestar Galactica. Mid-2000s, this comes out. Now, I grew up with Battlestar, the first version, and I was a little dubious when the, the, the new version came out. In fact, I didn't watch it during its run. Uh, I don't know. People told me. Harloff told me. My writing partner, Matt Key. Oh, this is spectacular stuff. I even got to uh, you know meet and, and become friends with Katie Sackhoff through the Schmoe's Note team, and I hadn't even seen Battlestar yet. And finally, I sat down and watched it, and once I did, I couldn't stop. They didn't even have the budget. In the mid-2000s, TV was still changing and still different. But it became kind of uh, binge-worthy event programming after the fact, which was part of the problem. More people watched it during its run. We might have got that fifth season or better answers in the fourth, if that's your point of view on the show. But not about Battlestar. We're not doing Battlestar Galactica Center yet. But that I look at that show with not just the character stuff and the great scripts and everything that's going on there, but some of the battles. Some of that stuff in season two is some great space battles. And that's important when you're developing or, or throwing this uh, science fiction out to us. Uh, that's, we kind of want that kind of stuff. Star Trek, a little different. We don't, you don't need the big... Star Trek's not known for the big space battles. Um, Battlestar Galactica was. The Cylons, like, destroy Caprica. It was a big fight. This is back in the 70s. We knew, so we wanted to see that kind of stuff in the mid-2000s. With Star Wars, we are going to want the great character moments. We're going to want all that, but we need that big feel. Favreau's series is interesting because if, if, if it truly happens post-Return of the Jedi, uh, we're not going to have a big lightsaber fight to rely on. We might not have a, the big space battle, especially if it's after the Battle of Jakku. We might have something else. I think that's where you'll see some Mandalorian lore come in, some things like that dealing with a lot of politics, the rebuilding of the Republic, a lot of those things could play into it. And those are small screen type of ideas. You can deal with that Game of Thrones and the battle for the throne and the politics and the inner working for the battle for that throne are, for a lot of people, what draws them to that show, even above the big fights and above the flying, burning dragons and all that kind of stuff. So Favreau is the first challenge. Can we watch Star Wars live action on a small screen, streaming, binging type of way. I got to imagine they release them in a bunch, but who knows? Maybe it's one week at a time. Maybe that will help. Um, I think, though, I'd rather binge it all. I don't know what you guys feel. That'll be the first test. Does it have the feel? Does it have the epic nature to uh, the, the plot points, the events, the set pieces that we expect with Star Wars? Because even something like Rebels has it. I say Rebels has some of the best space fighting in Star Wars. The Battle of Adalon is uh, something you'll hear me talk more about here on Force Center soon. I'm trying to do a Star Wars ranked about Rebels stuff, working on that. And it's a great battle. Some of the best Star Wars uh, battles are on Rebels and Clone Wars too. But again, it's animated. It looks different. It feels different. Will it feel the same on Favreau's TV series? 
That'll be our first test because then we will face the bigger test when they announce a feature-length Star Wars movie on the streaming service. Will we feel cheated as fans? I was talking to Joseph about it off-air after one of our recording sessions, and he's like, you know, here's the thing. If the movie comes out, we might be like, no, we want it on the big screen, and then we see it, and it's great, and we want more. It just should have been on the big screen. It's almost like a can't-win situation for Disney Lucasfilm. We want whatever might be on that streaming service to feel like a movie, and then if they hit that, we'll be like, well, then why couldn't you have just made it a movie? It's going to be an interesting challenge and test for even the most positive of Star Wars fans. But I believe it can work, and I want it to work, and I think a lot of you want it to work as well. Solo, I think, belonged on the big screen. I think it's a great film. I think it has a lot of great character moments and insight into the galaxy during that time and during the 19 years between the fall of the Old Republic and the fall of the Empire. A little bit more than 19 years if you include the actual fall of the Empire. By that time period, the two decades of storytelling, there's a lot there that I love, and I love the pieces falling into place, and Solo, Solo does that very well. So it belonged there. But I think these stories, these movies, two hours with a character, two hours with a chapter of the Star Wars saga, I do believe they can work on the streaming service and I want them to work. And if one comes out and does work, I'm going to want more. It is also a chance to service the Star Wars fans who are going to pay good money to sign up for the streaming service. We're a little bit more used to the inside baseball side of Star Wars. That is the problem, I think, one of the problems that Lucasfilm has in trying to get over their product to the general audience. For me, I, I think Solo... On paper, works. Again, whether, whether or not you like the movie or not, that's not part of it. I think it works. You got a, a catalog of characters, and you want this idea comes up of, you know, let's make movies outside of, of the saga. Well, George and Lawrence were talking about Solo. Let's do that. I think that's a great idea. It's Han freaking Solo. We make jokes about whether they're going to make a gonk droid movie next, but it's Han Solo. I think when it comes to the streaming service, you're going to be able to service the more specific, more intense Star Wars fans with the characters we want. I see all the time. Uh, Can we get in a Soka movie? No, you'll not get in a Soka movie in a theater. But a a Soka movie, an Ahsoka six-part series on the streaming service, that's going to work. The reason being, the general audience, they didn't even take to Solo, or they struggled to take to Solo, and again, marketing and a lot of other factors, blah, blah, blah. But if they didn't take to Han freaking Solo, they're not going to take to Ahsoka Tano. They're not going to take to uh, a uh, adaptation of Lost Stars. Well, actually, take it back. That might work in the big screen. Of Twilight can work anyways. Uh, and you know I love Lost Stars. But I think you guys see my point. You could spend two hours with Dr. Aphra, a character I would love to see on screen in live action form or even animated form at this point. And I think you will see it. But Dr. Aphra, uh, it wouldn't work unless marketed in a a 
pitch perfect way for the general audience. You'd have to really introduce this character elsewhere. People aren't just, they're not reading those books. We are. I am. You listening are. But from a business standpoint, Ahsoka Tano, despite all the standing ovations for Ashley Eckstein and Dave Filoni about the character at Star Wars celebrations or panels everywhere, I don't think they would translate to the big bucks. Now, Cadden, you, you, you get to these characters, you tell great stories, people will come. Oh, I agree. I agree. I'd love to see a Ahsoka Tano movie in a theater. I just don't think Disney... Disney, not necessarily Lucasfilm. I don't think Disney is going to put that much inside baseball Star Wars, so to speak, out for the general public. But all those people at Star Wars Celebration, with their credit cards and debit cards and pocketbooks, sorry, Grandpa, you can't play with, pay with check, all those people cheering for a sold-out panel, they're going to pony up 10 bucks a month, 14 bucks a month, whatever it may be, to pay for a Disney streaming service if you're going to get that Ahsoka Tano movie you want. If you're going to get the rise and fall of Ray Sloan, Dr. Afra, maybe a Cassian Andor movie, maybe uh, a new Ewok adventure movie, maybe I will finally get my Rise of Chief Chirpa movie. It would work there. I would pay and you would pay. And I think we have to get ready for it. Because it's going to feel initially, maybe even after the Favreau series, if an Obi-Wan movie starring Ewan McGregor on the streaming service happens, which is possible, Ewan, you know, he's done TV, FX, he's an actor's actor, he likes the work, he'll be there for the character. If that happens, there's going to be a tinge of disappointment when you sit to watch it for the first time and you press play, for me on my PS4 controller, and I press the X and Star Wars begins, and I'm sitting on my couch. It's going to feel a little different. It's going to feel slightly disappointing. And we're all going to have to work to get through that, hopefully within minutes, or hopefully at least after the first movie. And then I think once you're through the looking glass, so to speak, as they'd say, Milhouse and Bart, I think you'll be all right. And then I think you're going to want more. I'll go to the theater once a year for Ryan Johnson's trilogy, Dan and Dave's series, and what other, other movies they can come up with. But I will also gladly tune in at home twice a year, three times a year, for an hour and a half movie focused on a character or a chapter of the Star Wars saga that I wouldn't get to see otherwise. That's going to have a lot of value for me as a Star Wars fan. All right. Let's go to a guest. He's back here in Four Center. Take a listen. All right, Spotlight Star Wars fans, we have a special guest returning to Four Center. It is musician, singer, songwriter, rock star. That's what he is to me and you. It's Van William. How's it going? Good to be back here. Good to have you here, man. We did a Star Wars rank not too long ago, and you walked me out at the live movie trivia showdown. Indeed. The Vandalorian, part of my entourage. Was not a victorious night, but we'll try again. We did this Star Wars ranked about the best uh, characters that don't speak in Star Wars. Your number one character, you are so passionate about this character, was Ara Singh. Indeed. I actually have to admit that one of the main reasons that I even came up with that idea for that list was just so that I could... 
talk about Ara Singh. You you said you were late late night at home one night. How do I get on Force? <laughs> How do I do this? And wanting to talk about Ara Singh. Yeah. Now we talked a little bit about what that character means to you there, uh, and we're going to go into that more. But I wanted to bring you in specifically because during Solo. There's two points in the movie that I had reactions where I thought of other people first. <laughs> the first one was seeing uh, the character Vat Weirdo, the Lulak Primo uh, Primo character. I forget. Joseph knows the name, but it's it's the singer, the crooner next to the, the female singer that Joseph had named and predicted would be a deep throat, deep that kind of singer, right? So I thought of him, but then when Tobias Beckett is revealed to be the killer. Of Ara Sig. Oh, heartless bastard. I went, oh, I hope Van's going to be okay with this. So I want to talk about Ara Singh, this character, what she means to you, and the fact that she is now gone. Yeah, that was tough. You know, I watched Solo for the first time alone by myself mm-hmm. uh, in New York City uh, on a night off on tour on opening night. And my first reaction was just, oh my God. Uh, they talked about her they in a movie. Her, just right. that is exciting yeah. to me. Uh, when you see any character that's pre- pre- uh, you know mm. predominantly featured in, in, in non-film canon come in in any way into the films, it's right. exciting. But then uh, I was quickly uh, turned to my darker side of emotions uh, by Santa, given that she has not only died, but was killed by a push. <laughs> Exactly. Tobias doesn't even really take credit. No. He's, it's the fall that killed him. I just can't imagine him. I mean, it must have been, it, it sounds to me like off screen, just like a kind of a silly death, you know, like right. the push and then like a Wilhelm scream falling down or something <laughs> like that. And or the it, new scream. Yeah, the new scream. And and I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very bummed. There's also part of me, mm-hmm. and maybe it's just because she's in The Phantom Menace mm-hmm. um, and... She's, you know, loosely affiliated in some ways with Darth Maul, I guess. There's some part of me that's like, she didn't actually die. Didn't do it. You know? Didn't do it. Because at the end of the Clone Wars, in her last episode, they kind of almost allude to her Mm -hmm. disappearing or whatever. Yeah. And so there's part of me that that really still believes, until I get more uh, confirmation from Pablo or somebody, I'm I'm saying she could still be out. And, you know, she's so tied into the story of Boba Fett we now know. Mm So, you know, we might see this character again in some form. Absolutely. And, you know, I was looking on Wikipedia before I came here, and I'm trying to figure out how much time... As we all should. (laughs) Time to time. Uh, um, So... All, in terms of the timeline, yeah. that's part, that part of Solo is a, roughly, say, nine or ten years before the Battle of Yavin. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so at the end of the Clone Wars, when we last see her, um, that's her last canon appearance I chronologically? Think or so. She was in the Darth Maul comic. She was in the Darth Maul comic and some of the other comics, but I think it was the... The She might have been after... It might have been a little bit, because we know her and Cad Bane... Mm-hmm. Hook up, team up, all that good mm-hmm. stuff. So there does... I'm trying to think which one. If it was the Kanan comic, then that would be around the same time. But so she does appear in a comic. It seems like we got at least like an eight-year window in, yes. in post her, her her last Kanan appearance and, and towards the end of when she could have been, quote-unquote, heavy, scare quotes, <laughs> killed uh, by Tobias Beckett. So I'm yeah. hoping that there's, there's a, a good range of time in there for more stories. I mean, if you have to come to the point where you have to accept this death... Um, do you, how do you hope it actually happens? How do you hope, what are the circumstances? Have you taken yourself through that or you just can't, can't wrap your brain around her actually being gone? 
Yeah, man. You know, it's really tough. I feel like if she, if it was a push, I'm gonna. I, I want to believe that she was doing something really, really, really awesome. Yeah. And she was engaged in some sort of combat or something. And then he he's a kind of a sneaky. He dude. is. He's a kind backstabber. Of a, kind of a slimy dude. Yeah. I could see him kind of just like coming up from behind and just you know like. Dink. Yeah, without her knowing, there's no way that she was engaged with him and he pushed her. You know, she would have crushed him. You want, you really want uh, an honor in Ara Singh's death. I do, I do. She, there is good in her. I, well, you know, again, the the de facto mother to Boba Fett, you know, kind of raising him after losing his father. There's a heart there. Absolutely, it's buried. Yeah, but it's there. And I mean, who knows? You know what's going on with the Boba Fett movie? Yeah. But if that does happen. Um, I who knows when when chronology? It probably would be post Jedi, I guess. But um, maybe at least another illusion to our thing right. would be appreciated. It would, it'd be good. And mm-hmm. if they do an underworld movie or a TV show, absolutely. A live action TV, not the Favreau one. We know the times wouldn't mm-hmm. work out, but a live action TV down the line that could be a good spot. For absolutely. Her. Right. Get the uh, same. Uh, it was like a French model or something that played her yeah. in the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. You know a lot about our thing, man. <laughs> I mean, not just the Wookiee. And again, for those who may have missed, I wish I knew her name. That would have been so. I've, cool. I, I, it's it's a it's a French name, so I'm gonna I would struggle to say. Yeah, it. True. Uh, if I remember correctly, if I, I don't I don't always remember correctly. For those who missed it on uh, the Star Wars ranked, and go back and listen to that wonderful episode. What what pulled you in about this character early on? You know, it was something about just the way that she was so calmly watching. And, you know, Phantom Menace for me was the um, a very pivotal moment in my life. You know, I saw it 13 times yeah. in the theater. Um, and I always looked forward to that shot. I liked yeah. how George kind of lingered on it just a little just bit enough. more. Um, and, I, you know, you could tell they were, like, kind of trying to set up other characters to be, you know, the right. new Boba Fett throughout a lot of the films. But really... It's her. It's her. It, it has to kind of be accidental. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's just, she always intrigued me. Um, for, for, since I was, yeah, for, since fan, since the first yeah. time seeing Fan Miss. I remember, I remember the first time seeing it on May 19th, 1999, and being like, wait, who was that? Who was that? I had the same reaction. And then it was. Pretty, they, they, after, not too long after Phantom Menace, it was revealed, like, it's this bounty hunter. Yeah. Named Ara Singh. It was in the visual dictionary, yeah. like, straight away. It was right there, and then George kind of gave some hints. Mm-hmm. More to come. Mm-hmm. More to come. And I was always a little surprised when, when Attack the Clones opens, and Sam Wessel's there. Yeah, it should have. should have been Ara Singh, right? Her, but then yeah. she might have met her death sooner. That's true. That's true. But I, st- I would have traded that for more screen time, to be Just honest. Yeah. Although the, you know, the changeling thing was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Sam Wessel's kind of yeah. a cool character. Yeah. Good claude yeah. changelon. Yeah. Um, but we, but you got more of our thing in the Clone Wars. Indeed, indeed. Some of my favorite arcs. It's um, good stuff. It's really good stuff. And I, yeah, I was bummed that. Uh, they didn't try to weasel her back in there for for rebels, but I guess now we know why because <laughs> she's dead. Rest in peace. <laughs> Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see if there's more. It was a cool reference indeed, but it's a great character with the, with a lot there. There's actually a, a lot of Orsing you can dive into in the Clone Wars. So, uh, you know, at least you have that, Van. That's true. I'll always have that. Oh, that's good. Hey, tell the folks uh, here in Force Center, you got yourself a headlining tour coming up. Where they indeed. Where going to get the information? Uh, it's all on vanwilliammusic.com. Uh, first headline tour mm-hmm. uh, throughout the United States. We're going, uh, yeah, all over. West Coast, East Coast. Coast, Midwest.
Midwest, um, even up to uh, Toronto in the Ooh. great land of Canada. Love so that. yeah, come on out, talk Star Wars. We, I, I get a lot of Star Wars fans yeah. uh, at the shows. Um, since I was on the Jedi Council once and then on yeah. your show, and it's amazing to talk talk yeah. Star Wars at the merch table. Everyone else around is like, "What? The? They don't even, you know, we go deep. You go, we go oh, yeah. deep, yeah." And so they're like, "What are you even talking about? I What's mean, an Ara Zing? <laughs> be a good name for a band, though. Ara Zing actually is, you know, Van William and the Ara Sings. I like Ara Zing. Ara Zing, yeah, Ara Zing. That would work just too. to avoid any copyright infringements. That's probably a good idea. Mm. I think George would be okay with it. Bye bye. Or might not. It's very, yes. Imagine Bob Iger call, calling you up. You mind, uh, hey, it's Uncle Bob Iger. <laughs> you mind not naming your band or a sing? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. I'm a, I'm a shareholder. Sorry. There you are. There you are. <laughs> All right. That's it. Van William and vanwilliammusic.com. Check it out. Give him your condolences for the loss of his favorite character. Well, one of them. There's others he likes too. Or a sing. Thanks, Van. Thanks for having me. Rest in peace, Ara Singh. Oh, so sorry for Van and his loss. But special thanks to Van William for coming back into the Force Center Studios for that little interview here on Spotlight Star Wars. Check out Van William. He's got a, uh, go to vanwilliammusic.com. He's got a headlining tour. Um, he's got the great album Countries out. You can check his uh, former work with Port O'Brien and Waters. Great stuff. Great fan of Star Wars. You'll be hearing him time and time again here on Force Center. Now it's time for another listener memory that's right i take this from our patreon page we post uh, a call for action for listener memories and i have a a lot up there so i keep going back to that post and then uh uh, going through them and then we'll do it again but if you want to be a patreon supporter of force center go to patreon.com slash force center and you too could share your memories we have a fun one today from kai thatch he is a uh prominent Patreon supporter and member of our Force Center community. Uh, He's always involved, having great conversations with us, and he's got a great memory here today, and it says this. I remember seeing Attack the Clones in the theater with my buddy Cole. It was a really good crowd, one of my first experiences of a communal movie experience, and there it is, again, for me, from my mind here. That's what it's about sometimes. We'll see if it happens on the small screen. Kai goes on, everyone was into it. When Yoda came in to fight with Dooku, you could hear everyone take a breath of anticipation. We had a feeling uh, of what was coming. When the camera spun around him and he finally ignited his lightsaber, everyone went nuts. Everyone slid forward in their seats and a handful even stood up. The cheers were deafening as we watched little Master Yoda fighting like we've never seen before. The entire theater, at least for that day, loved Attack of the Clones. Great memory, Kai. And the reason I chose that is this is something I've talked about in other places. We at Force Center are, of course, prequelists. We know this. We've coined this phrase. We sell this T-shirt. We uh, uh, love and appreciate and understand and sometimes have fun with the Star Wars prequels, but we love Star Wars. We love these stories and we love these moments. Star Wars, to me, it's uh, unlike any other movie franchise, unless you have another franchise you love. You might love Transformers. You might love Fast and the Furious. Lord of the Rings doesn't matter. And even though there's some great things in those franchises, and even though there's some really bad things, you focus on what you love about them, and you celebrate them. That's what we do here at Force Center. When it comes to Attack of the Clones, that's actually, you want to know the rankings? That's my lowest-ranked live-action Star Wars film. But there's some great moments in it. Those seismic charges, that's my favorite sound in Star Wars. 
the battle on Geonosis got some great shots. Some other things we can talk about in another podcast that we don't like, but there's things we love. And I am with Kai. I have a lot of memories of being in multiple showings the first couple weeks of the Attack of the Clones uh, in theaters experience. And I got to tell you, there wasn't one crowd that did not react with giant cheers erupting from within, uh, within their souls, when Yoda and Dooku began to fight. That scene would later on be kind of maligned. It was one of the things that was on the list of things to poke fun at the prequels. Yoda hopping around. What was that? And over time, I can understand it. It seems a little silly, right? He's hopping and he's screaming, fighting, fighting Christopher Lee. Clearly a stunt double at times. I get it. Do you want to focus on that part of it? How about focus on the moment that Kai and Cole and everyone experienced that day in the theater and I experienced in my viewings, not just me, a prequelist. And at the time, I was struggling with them more than I am now, the audience. It's a great Star Wars moment. Yoda, when we meet him in Empire Strikes Back, if that's your first time meeting him, for a lot of uh, fans it is, he's one of those characters that has a past. We know he's old, 800, 900 years old. He once was a great warrior. He doesn't think that made him great, but he did some kind of fighting at some point. I remember growing up being aware that Yoda was this kind of powerful Jedi, but I never really thought how he would fight until the prequels started coming out. And there was a question among some of uh, my friends and fellow fans, like, ooh, I wonder if we'll ever see Yoda with a lightsaber. That'd be interesting. He has to have had one, right? Even if he is more like the Emperor and uses different kind of force powers, got to imagine he swung a blade every now and then. We finally got to see it. The execution of it, all right, you may not like Yoda flip-flopping around. I get that again. I get it. I understand. But what else would he do? He was designed back in the late 70s, revealed in 1980 to the entire world as this small little green thing. We don't even know. It ain't easy being green. He's got to do something like a smaller-statured professional wrestler fighting the big dogs. You got to do some flipping. Got to do some flopping. You got to do some flying. It makes sense to me in that way. But also, it was just fun. Dooku had just essentially cast aside two of the greatest Jedis we know, proven that he is, as Darth Tyrannus, a force to be reckoned with. You need that moment. And then, slowly, from around the corner, comes the shadow. Large, but we knew it was small. Yoda emerges. Then we learn a little bit more about their relationship. That's right. Yoda Trained Dooku. Dooku trained Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon trained Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan trained Anakin. What a connection. What about stakes? They're there. The stakes are raised. This is a connection. These are people who know each other. Two characters that have a history. A history I still want to read about. A history I still want to see. I want that Dooku book at some point. Yoda's going to fight. He turned that corner to kick ass, and the crowd knew it. 
So the prequels may have been maligned, and your memories may have you saying you didn't like them. But I know there was a lot of fans and a lot of theaters who, like Kai, his friend Cole, and me, experienced pure Star Wars nerd joy when Yoda fought Dooku. Thanks for your memory, Kai. We're almost out of here, guys. If you have any questions for me specifically, you can still use the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. It's not done. We used to do a lot of fan questions. I just, you know, like to push those more to Force Center now and hashtag Force Center. But you can do hashtag Spotlight Star Wars and join the conversation here with this show. We'd still love to do that with you guys. If you want to uh, uh, support, like I said, get your memories shared, you can go to patreon.com slash Force Center. More of that at the end. But we are about to sign out. But before we do, it's time to say goodbye to a rebel hero. Built to serve the Galactic Empire, a chance meeting led to his reprogramming and an eventual sacrifice for the greater good of the rebellion. A droid first, a hero forever. Let's give a salute to K2SO. It would be easy to write off the contributions of a droid in the fight against the Empire, particularly if you know that the droid was built to serve one side and didn't choose to switch allegiances. But if that's what you think, then you don't know K2. A powerfully built KX series security droid, K2 became the right-hand droid of Captain Cassian Andor and served faithfully at his side as rebellion against Palpatine's evil Empire grew. Quick-witted and outspoken, K2 was a unique droid in his personality alone, but he was so much more. As an all-out galactic civil war moved closer to a reality, K2SO was part of several important missions that would change the face of the then-fledgling Rebel Alliance. The first was to sneak onto the decimated planet of Wobani and extract a criminal-turned-potential Rebel asset. From there, K2 was key in assuring the survival of a low-profile band of new rebel allies on Jeddah and Edu. And then finally came the Battle of Scarif. It was there, deep within a well-guarded Imperial research facility, that K2SO made the most important choice of his existence. With the near-impossible mission on the brink of a fatal failure, K2SO decided to lay down his life so the mission could go on. No programming or no orders played into that decision. It was his choice and his alone. K2SO chose to sacrifice himself for the cause. The mission was a success. K2SO was survived by friends Cassian Andor, Jin Erso, Baze Malbus, Bodhi Rook, and Sherd Emway. Well, for a little while anyway. Choice over programming. Never forget K2SO. to Spotlight Star Wars on Force Center. Follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod and follow Ken online, including Twitch, at Ken Knapsack. Consider supporting Force Center on Patreon at patreon.com slash forcecenter. Go to forcecenterpod.podomatic.net for more information and use the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars to join the conversation. Until next time, this has been Spotlight Star Wars on Force Center.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.